We have some problems over here right now. We might have a hijack over here, two of them. And restore control. And now there's a new form of cyber matchmaking, college networking websites. Is this perhaps the next big thing? Same-sex couple soon be able to head to the altar. has conducted an operation that killed the British people have voted to leave the European Union. Once again, President of Russia. A major leap for mankind, said French President François Hollande. I am officially running. Politics can do for President of the United States, and we are going to make our country great again. We expect to see the number of cases the number of deaths and the number of affected countries climb even higher. All right, folks. Welcome to another episode of 21st Century Christian. I'm your host, Bryce Clausen. Our goal here is to apply the truth of God's Word to the challenges we face here and now in this hour ever-changing 21st century and boy things are changing things are always changing there's a lot of craziness in the world right now as you may or may not have noticed covid is the the story of the day however i recently heard about a poll it polled Canadians. I don't know which Canadians it polled, but basically if the findings said that Canada's chief concern was climate change, climate change, and we know that our lovely Prime Minister Justin Trudeau um, was front and center at the uh, climate change conference. I don't know a whole lot about it, to be honest with you. Um, COP26, I think it was in Scotland. They got together to talk about what they can do to make your lives miserable and save the planet. Um, but all joking aside, I thought it was a little bit, you know, disconcerting that that climate change is at the top of the list of issues. And as I've mentioned before in a previous podcast, when we talked about the election here in Canada, I thought it was. Well, I, didn't, I wouldn't say surprising by any stretch of the imagination, but, you know, as a Christian, we watch these leaders debate these issues of importance and consequence, yet nobody, you know, is obviously going to get to the root of the issue, and that is sin and human sinfulness. And that is not a politically correct idea, of course, to, to, to tell people that the root of their problems lay in sin and their sinfulness and their unrighteousness is obviously not what people want to hear. And because as Paul says, people suppress the truth in unrighteousness. They suppress the truth and the knowledge of God in unrighteousness. Um, so... Why do I why am I talking about this? Well, that's sort of at the heart of what we're going to be discussing today, and that is the the, the title of the episode is Paul and Karl Marx, which I thought was a fitting title, somewhat of a maybe uh, I don't know, provocative title or 
I thought it was a, a good way to sort of break the ice maybe. And, you know, perhaps you're wondering what on earth does Karl Marx have to do with the Apostle Paul? Well, they have very little to do with one another. Um, they represent opposite opinions um, concerning, you know, something that we're going to be talking about today, and that is the issue of of race and and racism and how we look at this this issue from either pole. So, are we looking at this issue? And I'm going to flesh out a little bit why I've used Karl Marx as an example here, because obviously, um, you know, racism goes beyond Karl Marx, right? But there's a movement that has has sort of come to fruition in this past, these past, I guess, the past 10 years, five years, maybe more so, but it's been around since I, I think the 70s and took off in the 80s. Uh, critical race theory, which is very much rooted in Marxist thought. And so that's why I have, um, that's why I'm talking about Karl Marx, and we've talked about him before. He is, <laughs> I'm not a big fan of his, you know, and uh, I don't think Christians should be a fan of his. I don't think that his ideology is helpful to anybody. In fact, I think there's 100 million corpses in the ground to testify to to the fact of how destructive his um, scheme was however well-intentioned these proponents of Marxism might be communism doesn't work it's never worked it never will work um, and it's juxtaposed to Christianity now it, it should be noted that when I say communism is juxtaposed to Christianity do I mean that if you are a Christian you cannot be a communist well I would say that if you're reading your Bible you're, you should probably come out at the other end and, and, and think that, wait a minute, um, I don't think this communism thing is quite aligned with what I'm reading in Scripture. But let's maybe flesh that out a little bit, specifically with regards to the issue of race. So why, how does critical race theory have anything to do with Karl Marx? And what is critical race theory? We've heard a lot about it in the news. For example, in Virginia, there was an election in Virginia. Um, Governor Youngkin now, he's the Republican. He basically uh, took governorship over from the, the Democrat. And it was seen as a big blow to the Democrats and to Joe Biden's presidency, which is plummeting um, in the polls. So um, one, of the, one of the issues that he raised, one of the issues that was front and center for his campaign was combating the teaching of critical race theory in high schools. I, I don't know if it was in elementary schools or not. High schools, elementary schools, schools, whatever. We know it's in the universities, but his issue was, should it be taught in um, secondary schools? And obviously there's been a lot on the news about parents who are, who are trying to go to these meetings and protest these um, Marxist teachers who are trying to ram down this ideology or ram this ideology down kids' throats, and there's you know been a lot of hostile rhetoric back and forth from people. I don't know the exact situation. It looks like this stuff is being taught a lot, but um, I haven't looked into it, investigated it a whole lot. What I want to talk about a little bit is what critical race theory is, and 
you know, if we say that people are teaching critical race theory, what are they teaching? Now, I'm not an expert on this. I, I think a lot of people, though, have just sort of picked up on this terminology and, and without actually understanding what it means. But from, from what I know, so critical race theory sort of began in the upper echelons of academia. Uh, there was a lawyer by the name of Derek Bell who is sort of seen as the, the founding father of critical race theory. And what critical race theory does is it basically says that racism is inherent and that all systems and institutions which have come to be in this in the western in western society are are saturated with racism and have were implemented with the goal of um, promoting the well-being of the dominant group so the dominant group being whites and so basically everything is racist and if you're a white person, you are inherently racist. So you might not even be self-aware. You might not even be aware of your racism. But racism is something that you can't avoid because you are a member of the dominant group. Um, so it's sort of like an original sin idea, but with race. So you've inherited this whiteness, which is synonymous with racism. And so if you're a white person, you are automatically a racist, uh, whether you want to admit it or not. Um, so that's sort of a, a sort of a brief sketch of critical race theory. But obviously, these people that are working on this—I mean, I don't think critical race theory is a good idea. But I, I imagine that you know a lot of these people are very well educated. I know a lot of the, the sort of the people that have have promoted this and sort of articulated it are well educated people. Um, so. I don't want to say that they're completely ignorant or anything like that, but I just think fundamentally that this is not um, not a good idea. And 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 obviously part of that, not part of that, that is, it's a bad idea because it is in conflict with the biblical message. And so if we have the scriptures as our lens through which we're viewing this issue, it's the framework then we're going to see that the critical race theory and ideology that's being promoted is just, it's not in accordance with God's word. And as Christians, that's, that's a problem for us. And so this ultimately comes down to, to authority and what has the final say and who defines a human being, who defines who you are, is it, or what characteristic or what attributes ultimately define who you are. Critical race theory, uh, as the name suggests, really sees things through the paradigm of skin color. Um, and so everything, people are sort of motivated and they act in accordance with the color of their skin and with their group. So if you're in the dominant group, then your actions and your behaviors are going to act um, for the benefit of the dominant group. You're acting to serve the dominant group and your prosperity. So ultimately your decisions are selfishly motivated because you have inherited this, uh, this racism and this racist identity as a white person, for example. 
Um, so you're basically acting as almost like a robot, a racist robot who just can't control his uh, prejudice. And that plays out in the systems and in the, in, in the law. Like the, the laws are basically um, made by white people um, who are acting in accordance with their inherent white supremacy. And so the systems itself, the, the, the reality we live in, the constructed reality, the social fabric is basically a racist fabric and, and everything has basically been constructed around the um, idea of white supremacy. And so you basically see that this is, is everywhere and you see everything as a matter of, of race and white versus everyone else. Um, and it's really a, a very disturbing picture. I mean, if this is true, if critical race theory is true, I mean, what what do we do about it? That's the question, right? And I haven't really heard any, you know, you get a lot of complaining by critical race theories, theorists, and I mean, they're very critical, <laughs> um, no pun intended. But uh, I don't know a whole lot about, like, what their vision for the future is supposed to, to be. Like, a lot of it has to do with money. And this goes back to the Marxist thing. So um, it's almost like, well, if you're, if you, let's say you've got this guilt, you're, you're guilty because you're white and your ancestors are white. Well, the way that you can fix the problem is by giving money to, to someone. And so I guess for many people, the answer would be economic. But I imagine there's other um, solutions that people will will put forward and and this is different we have to remember that this is they basically they criticize like the 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 philosophies of great civil rights activists like martin luther king who said that men and women should be judged by the content of their character not the color of their skin you know that's seen as sort of like the old way of civil rights now the new way is critical race theory where you basically um, say that reality itself is is racist. If we had to sum up critical race theory, that might be a good way of of, of, of describing it. Reality itself is racist. Um, and everything is geared in favor of the dominant hierarchical or the, the group at the top of the totem pole, which they would say is white people because we live in a white-dominated society designed to get white people ahead and keep everybody else down um, that's i guess how they would 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 view the the situation um so what does this all have to do with karl marx okay well when we we consider the the philosophy of karl marx there's a couple things we have to point out one karl marx was probably the most famous critic of capitalism right he wrote that famous book das kapital and we have to, I think we need to acknowledge at, at the start of the discussion that capitalism, as, I, as Stephen Harper wrote in his book on economics and politics right here, right now, you know, it's a means to an end. It's not the greatest thing in the world, right? Like it, it's, we can see it as the sort of the, let's say the best Roughly speaking, the best economic principle for a society to, to follow is, is capitalism that leads to the, the greatest benefit for the greatest number of people. But it's not perfect, right? And there's issues involved there. Um, and especially as Christians, we're not, we're first and foremost Christians, not capitalists. We can say that capitalism is, is the best system. Um, 
but let's say for example in heaven you know it's not going to be a capitalist society that we're living in right so uh, sometimes i think we 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 elevate capitalism to it, almost in a idolatrous fashion and i think we need to be careful um with that although i would say that the principles of, of free market and entrepreneurship are are the best for the the largest number of people and that communism is very dangerous and dreadful to and destructive to society so i think we have to take a sober analysis of the situation and say yes there's problems uh, with, with capitalism um did Marx do a good job of highlighting these problems? Yes, and I think they were even more evident at during his time. You think about the Victorian period. I mean, like conditions for workers and stuff like that were absolutely horrible. Um, and so it's good that we have, you know, certain, you know, structures and regulations in place now. You know, things have definitely improved for the working class people now. Um, but the the basic tenets of Marxism have really continued to persist and have really taken hold in the academy where it also which is also the birthplace birthplace story of critical race theory um, so remember we said that critical race theory is the idea that there's one group one dominant group which basically exists to subjugate the rest of or the other group so one race uh, over and against the other races as the dominant race and it's trying to do everything it can to hold on to this position and keep everybody else down um, so so if we look at mark and so here's where i'm going to to show you how this is marxist or where the marxist influence comes from so i'll, I'll i'm going to refer to a couple writings here the first is the the most famous communist literature the manifesto of the communist party or the communist uh, manifesto so this is chapter one is called the bourgeois bourgeoisie and the proletarians um, so these are the two classes that basically Marx has divided people in so he says the history of all hitherto existing society is the history of class struggles freeman and slave patrician and plebeian lord and serf guild master and, and journeyman in a word, oppressor and oppressed. Okay, that's important. Oppressor and oppressed stood in constant opposition to one another, carried on an uninterrupted, now hidden, now open fight, a fight that each time ended either in a revolutionary reconstitution of a society at large or in the common ruin of the contending classes. Okay, so that is very important. So then he goes on to say that the, mo the modern bourgeoisie society that has sprouted from the ruins of feudal society has not done away with class antagonisms. It has not done away with class antagonisms. He then goes on to say society as a whole is more and more splitting up into two great hostile camps, into two great classes directly facing each other, the bourgeoisie and the proletariat. Um, so basically we have here a dichotomy. A dichotomy is when you have two views, right? Uh, opposed to one another and these are two types of people and so he's basically divided everybody every human being into these into these categories so um, another piece of writing that I wanted to highlight was the introduction to the 1883 German edition of the Communist Manifesto by Friedrich Engels the co-author of the, the, the manifesto and um, 
Marx's partner. So he basically says that the basic thought running through the manifesto that economic production and the structure of society of every historical epoch necessarily arising therefrom constitute the foundation for the political and intellectual history of that epoch that consequently, ever since the dissolution of the primeval communal ownership of land, all history has been a history of class struggles. Okay, there it is again. All history has been a history of class struggles. Of struggles between, listen to this, exploited and exploiting between dominated and dominating classes at various stages of social evolution. That this struggle, however, has now reached a stage where the exploited and oppressed class can no longer emancipate itself from the class which exploits and oppresses it without at the same time forever freeing the whole of society from exploitation, oppression, class struggles. This basic thought belongs solely and exclusively to Marx. Um, so basically he's saying that, you know, this idea is, is the idea of Karl Marx. He's the, the chief, I say, um, articulating power behind um, communism. So he wrote this, the, this edition, at the time of this edition, Karl Marx had died, and so Friedrich Engels is basically acknowledging that Marx is the uh, chief um, proponent, the chief voice, the chief intellectual power behind the thought that we name after him, um, Marxism or communism. Um, so basically there's a couple things there and and that I want to highlight here. And, and what does this have to do with critical race theory? Well, note how they divide the people into the two groups that we can call dominated and dominating or exploited and exploiting two classes of people. Now this is exactly how the critical race theorists view the reality. Reality is this, this structure, it's been constructed, so to speak, by the dominant group. The dominant group is white people. And so if you exist within this constructed reality, you are partaking in this system um, that seeks to bolster and, and, and serve the white community while also keeping down um, the black community. So the white community are the exploiters and the black community or the uh, minority community are the exploited people. And everything is basically seen through this lens. So you have Marx here is talking about, he's, see, he was talking about like classes because he's a white guy, right? He was talking, and some would say he was racist too. I think there's some evidence for that. But just don't, you know, don't tell anybody that, you know, you'll get in trouble. But he was basically saying that everything is a matter of class in terms of economics, in terms of power, right? In terms of money. Um, so the, the haves and the have-nots. And with critical race theory, it's basically, it's not just an economic thing, although economics is part of it, but it's it's primarily a, a race issue. Um, and so the, the bourgeoisie in this, in, if you want to translate that into critical race theory language, is white people and the proletariats are uh, black people. And I say black people because the, the critical race theory sort of takes shape in uh, the in USA where they had obviously have had a, a poor track record with racial injustice and prejudice and slavery and all that. But, you know, in Canada we have racial tension and issues that have come up and also, you know, with the, the residential schools and with the indigenous peoples. And so 
there's been racial issues and exploitation here that that we have to acknowledge too. Um, but anyways, the problem with this view is that it's a reductionistic view. What do I mean by that? It reduces people to the color of their skin. It sees the world through this paradigm of skin color. Now, is this how we view people as Christians? No, we don't. In fact, if we look at scripture, the idea, the modern idea of race is not there. Um, this is, in many ways, I would say that racism as we know it today, as seeing a group of people who, because of their physical features, are inferior to another group, sort of develops with Darwinian evolutionary thought. In fact, I'm going to read something here, and I... Maybe this is wrong, but I have this book on biblical ethics. And the author says that the subtitle of Charles Darwin's Origin of the Species was, listen to this, the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. He goes on to say, that's interesting, isn't it? If you buy a modern copy of, or a print of Origin of the Species, you will not find that subtitle, the preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. And you think about this is actually the underpinning framework for the Nazi movement, right? One race is right to, to, to have power and dominion over another. But he says, virtually all 19th century evolutionists held to the theory of superior and inferior races. And that's true, right? That was a big, um, that was a movement within the sciences, right? There's distinguishing races and which races were superior to others. And, you know, we thankfully we've done away with that, but but we see that coming out out of um, evolutionary thought, but also atheism. Um, so, and also we will say materialism too, because think about this. Materialism is the philosophy that everything is physical matter. So there's no supernatural. So a human being then cannot be anything more than the physical, right? And so what what is the defining trait? Well, it's a matter of, of race basically is what, the critical race theorists would say. But so what do we say as Christians? What's our response to this? Are we going to say that, yes, you know, we should teach that all white people are evil and um, are partaking in white supremacy? Well, although we need to understand that the white people, European people have obviously done horrible things, and I don't want to pretend that they, they haven't. However, what is the biblical view of humanity? I think that it shows us something a little bit different than um, the critical race theorists say. Now, they would also say, and this is really important, and I, I don't know if they're all in agreement on this, but I think they would say that race itself is sort of a, a, a social construct, which is interesting. So they basically see everything through the lens of race, but that race itself is a social construct. And in a sense, that's true, right? Because we, we know that there's only one race, the human race. What you have is basically different ethnicities, different cultures, and different skin colors. So um, I would have to look into that more. But I, I believe that I read that a lot of critical race theorists would say that race itself is a social construct. So um, I don't know how that all works out then because they're basically saying that everything is race, but race itself isn't real. But we would say that, that there's one race... If we look at Genesis 1.27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Okay, that's all human beings. 
are created in the image of God, the Imago Dei. Christians and other people throughout history have obviously not done that justice, and they have treated people as though they weren't created in the image of God when they should have been treated with the dignity and respect that actually Scripture all throughout it tells us to treat people. Um, if we read in, in the law, if we read about how the Israelites are to treat the stranger within their midst, we are told that they, and the poor within their midst, they are told to show them hospitality and to show them to love um, and to not um, flout their power over them in an oppressor-like manner. And we see this in James, for example. If we go forward to James, it talks about not showing favoritism to others um, and not showing partiality, but treating people um, equally um, with love and with respect. So that's, I mean, that's at the heart of the biblical message that all people are created in the image of God. However, it also says, we can look at Deuteronomy 24, 16, for example, parents are not to be put to death for their children, nor children put to death for their parents. Each will die for their own sin. Okay, this is crucial. So here's the thing. Critical race theory says because you're white, you're racist. That's just BS, right? We know that's BS. And here's another reality. Let's use residential schools, for example. I had nothing to do with residential schools. I don't know many people that did have anything to do with residential schools. My dad didn't. My grandpa didn't. His My grandpa was born in a Mexican Mennonite colony. Um, came to Canada when he was 19. Didn't speak any English. I don't... There's no residential school. They were... The Mennonites were actually kicked out of the country by the dominant group that they were in. And they were forced to leave. So I don't know how they were exercising their white supremacy. Um, so that's just doesn't make any sense. And then we go to Acts 10, 28. This is, I just picked a few passages here. I mean, this is all throughout Scripture, though. This is uh, what Peter says. You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. But God has shown me that I should not call anyone impure or unclean. Basically, uh, what Peter is coming to realize is that the gospel is for the Jew and the Gentile, right? And that's at the heart of the New Testament. It's this idea of this universal proclamation of Jesus' lordship going out to all the nations. We even see the Ethio, the eunuch being invited in to the fold, right? All these people with these, you know, uh, physical differences, let's say racial differences, are are being invited to, to partake um, of the gospel, to believe in Christ. And basically every other identity factor is, is sort of fades away with into the backdrop until ultimately you know we know in the in the future kingdom it will disappear altogether um we won't see people you know critical race theorists wouldn't like me saying this but you know in obviously in in the new heavens and the new earth i don't think we're going to to see things in the way we do now in terms of skin color i don't i think people will be maybe truly colorblind right you know that's it not politically correct to say now that you're colorblind, but um, that's basically the idea, though, of the gospel, is that we do away with these categories. That doesn't mean that people can't still engage in prejudice or racism. We know that that happens. Um, but the idea is that no matter who you are, no matter what race you're from or culture or ethnicity, you have an obligation to believe in Christ as Lord and to serve him and to love one another as yourself and then we go to a famous passage galatians 3 this is verses 27 to 28 he says for as many of you 
as we're baptized into Christ, have put on Christ. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Christ is the head of the church, right? He is what matters. He defines who you are. Your relationship is not defined by the amount of money you have or the color of your skin, but your relation to Jesus Christ. Now, here's the thing. Paul says in Romans that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, right? In Adam, all sinned. We're all sinners. We're all sinful. What the Marxists and the critical race theories try to do is they deny the category of sin, right? So they deny the category of sin, of, of wickedness, except they, they like to basically apply it to white people. But they basically say that the people that are in the dominant group are the sinners. The people that are in the, the victim group, the oppressed people, are um, they're the righteous. They're innocent, basically. So they they don't have anything they're not guilty of anything right but the gospel says that all are guilty so it doesn't matter which group of these groups that marx has constructed here it doesn't matter which group you have you belong to you still need to repent and believe in jesus christ as your savior right and so if we're in a church and we're talking we're teaching because here's the problem i know a lot of people will say that Critical race theory is the next big thing that's going to threatening the church. It is threatening the church. We see uh, Christian leaders going woke, so to speak, and embracing these doctrines, where it's just a continual like um, discussion or continual admission of of guilt and shared guilt and collective guilt, and it's just I don't know when it when it really ends. Like I think. Because I don't want to see myself, for example, and now this is, I guess, a critical race theorist would just say I'm being a white supremacist, but I am not a white supremacist, and I don't think that I'm a racist. And um, I think that there are, I do believe that there are such things as implicit biases and prejudices, and, and there's certainly dis disparities in, you know, that are there, but um, I think one can be aware of how they're treating people and seek to treat people better and that they can overcome prejudices that they have um, especially in light of the gospel and the gospel of grace and the fact that we're all sinners and that I don't have any right I'm not any better than anybody else um, that I am privileged in many ways but we're all privileged in many ways because we all uh, partake of breath and life which is a gift from God right and so to see things solely as, as this matter of race is first of all to be materialistic um, I think it's rooted in Marxism, which is obviously Marx hated God, he hated religion. And so we're going to put basically Karl Marx at the front and center of our our gospel message, which is absolutely abhorrent to the gospel, which breaks down these barriers of race and cultural barriers. You know, the gospel is for the Jew and the Gentile. There's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave nor free. That's huge. That's radical for the time, right? That was radical for a Jew to be saying that, but that's what Jesus said. He says, go out and make disciples of all nations, baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. All nations, right? Preach this gospel to the ends of the earth. So it doesn't matter if you're white or black or brown or yellow. You have an obligation to Christ, and he invites you to have a relationship with him and to have eternal life with him. So, and to be forgiven of, of, of your sins. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think if anything is going to cure the problem of racism, which exists, yes, I admit that it exists. It is the gospel. It is Jesus Christ. It is not some theory, academic theory, legal theory, 
developed in the 80s that imposes Marxist categories and Marxist thinking and materialism upon every issue and basically denies you know common sense like that's not the answer that's just another attempt of humanity trying to operate apart from god to build a tower to their own image to be a law unto themselves it's another tower of babel situation this is the whole marxist dilemma right is that you see a problem and you have to to correct it there is no god so he can't do anything he can't provide the solution so humanity has to provide the solution and then they try again and again and again um, and, and it fails. We think about the 20th century, the most atheistic century in history, also the bloodiest century in history. A lot of that bloodshed um, is because of communism. And so now we're basically integrating this Marxist thought and dichotomy and paradigm and framework even further, and people in churches are embracing it. It's, it's very disturbing and it's problematic, and we have to say no to it, and we have to apply scripture to it and says, we do not view things this way. It uh, doesn't matter the color of your skin, you are made in the image of God, and we will combat racism by reminding people that they are made in the image of God, that they are deserving of dignity and respect, that yes, there are people who have practices racism, the church has done racist things that have exercised prejudice, and and we, if we have sinned ourselves, if I have sinned, I need to repent of that sin and ask forgiveness, but that goes for everybody too. Um, so I think that we need to to make sure we do what we can to remind people of the truth, the, the, the biblical message, and most importantly, the gospel of Jesus Christ, um, which really is a barrier breaker. And we can't seek to set up for ourselves a utopia because that's the thing. We're just going to make things worse. That's what happens. We make things worse when we try to fix the problem apart um, from God, especially when it comes to social issues like this. Now, that doesn't mean that the church hasn't, you know, done horrible things in the name of God. Um, but that, again, underscores the whole reality of the gospel and the biblical message that we have serious problems um, as human beings. And the main problem is our sinfulness, and we need restoration. We're not going to make things perfect in this world. And that's, you know, that's what separates the Christian from the materialist. We can't construct utopia. Because what the critical race theorist wants to do and what the Marxist wants to do is they want to basically topple society they want to basically start again from the ground up because this is just the system that we have this house let's think of it as a house every plank every board every fiber is racist and so the best thing to do is just get rid of it and start again um, obviously that's easier said than done and anytime that's been tried it results in a lot of bloodshed so what we have to do and this, the problem is how do you know that house that you built the new house is going to be better than the last one it's going to have its own problems and that's because of sin the core root issue of sin. Um, you know, you cut down the tree, but it grows back. Because you've got to get at the root. So so critical race theory, I know I've been rambling on, um, and I, maybe not making much sense, but I I thought it was important to to address this issue here. So either from the, the, the position of Paul, from the biblical position, the Pauline position, the Jesus position that, there's neither Jew nor Gentile, slave than free, but Christ breaks down these barriers. What matters more is your, your soul, not your the color of your skin. And this is over against the Marxist dichotomy that sees everything. First of all, it's materialistic, it's atheistic, and it sees everything in terms of the physical. And with critical race theory, it sees everything in terms of race and skin color. And that's just not how we should view people or view humanity. You know, people are more than the color of their skin. 
And the only solution to these problems is the gospel of Jesus Christ. Take care.